Republican takeover? Two days until the midterms. Republicans aim to regain the House and Senate. I'm the maggot king. Will the GOP ride a red wave back to power? And will it propel Donald Trump into 2024? I'll speak to the chair of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, next. And a pair of presidents. Democrats out on the trail trying to defend their record on the economy. This ain't your father's Republican Party. Midterms are no joke. Have they made their case? I'll speak to a senator traveling the country to try to keep her party in power. Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar ahead. Plus, on their mind. As Democrats and Republicans try to appeal to the undecided, I caught up with voters in five states to see what's driving them to the polls this Tuesday. Why is the price of gasoline where it is today? It's abortion rights, I think, for me. Some of it might surprise you. I'm Dana Bash in Washington, where the State of Our Union is hours away from counting the votes. We are two days from finishing a marathon of a campaign that's twisted and turned and is now coming to a close. Saturday, we saw three presidents in Pennsylvania, Biden, Trump and Obama, trying to give a final boost to their party and for Biden and Trump, flex their own political muscle ahead of a possible 2024 rematch. But in the closing days of this midterm race, outrunning history appears extremely difficult for Biden and his party. Democrats are playing defense in bright blue states, New York, California, Oregon and Washington, while Republicans are on offense, feeling confident that a House takeover seems likely and that a Senate flip is very possible. The polls, all of them, show Americans are thinking about inflation and the economy and that Republicans win the trust battle on kitchen table issues. So, Let's bring in a Republican who has been all across the country preparing for Tuesday night. Here with me now is the chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel. Thank you for coming on and thank you for being here. It's nice to see you in person. So what are you seeing right now? Do you think that the Republicans, your party, are going to take the House, going to take the Senate? And how many seats do you expect? Well, what you just said in your opening, voters are very concerned about inflation. And I think it's broader than inflation. It's rent, it's groceries, it's can I buy a new car because interest rates are so high. People are really, really struggling right now. That is by far the number one issue I hear, along with crime, is a big issue. And for me personally, and I think a lot of moms and parents out there, the deficits that our kids are still dealing with with the pandemic are the big issue. So what are you saying in terms of numbers? I feel good momentum. We're going to take back the house. I focus on two numbers, five and one, five to take back the house, one to take back the Senate. Would you do both? I think, yeah, I do think we will win both. Take back the House and the Senate. I think we'll take back the House and the Senate. So you mentioned the economy and inflation. If you win, Republicans will actually have an opportunity to do something about those problems. Inflation isn't just an American problem. It is a global problem. So how specifically will Republicans lower inflation? So Kevin McCarthy's put out a plan, and I think the first thing is energy independence. We have those resources here. We've been energy independent before Joe Biden cut the Keystone Pipeline day one, stopped um, drilling on federally leased lands. If we can pump our energy independence, every good, everything you do takes gas and and money or or diesel to get to where it needs to get, which is inflating the cost. Will that have an an immediate effect on people's pocketbooks? We hope so. But I think the other thing is we need a president that's going to work across the aisle. None of this happens unless both parties are working together. So if we win back the House and the Senate, it's the American people saying to Joe Biden, we want you to work on behalf of us and we want you to work across the aisle and solve the problems that we are dealing with. 
Bill Clinton did that, right? After 94, when he but lost he, those midterms, he came across and said, that, let's work together. It'd be interesting to see if President Biden does Absolutely. That. And that requires a two-way street. Yeah. Will Republicans be willing to do the same and not just be a roadblock for him? We have to. We have to work on behalf of the American people. You know, Dana, I don't live in Washington, D.C. I live in Michigan. I talk to people every day. I talk to restaurant owners who are desperate to find labor. I talk to families who are dealing, including mine, with these education deficits, uh, with our kids being locked down. They really want to see government start functioning. And Republicans will be a partner. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about what's going on now. You're the party chair, so yes. let's talk about voting, which is already underway across the country, 30 million as we people know. have voted. Exactly. Here's some of the things, though, that, that is going on. In Arizona, we've seen right-wing activists with guns and video cameras at drop boxes. In North Carolina, Reuters is reporting officials are tracking more than a dozen instances of potential intimidation or interference. And in Michigan, your home state, one group is encouraging people to set up cameras to capture license plate numbers. What's your message to people intimidating voters? Well, nobody should be intimidating or breaking the law. Nobody should. But poll watching is not intimidating. If you're following the law, we've sent out guidance. This isn't happening from the RNC. We send out guidance to our poll watchers. I think what a lot of people don't know is the RNC couldn't do this for 40 years. We were under a legal order that we couldn't have poll watchers. And now we can. The Democrats have always had that. I think that's really imbalanced. Um, but if you've been at a poll place, you see they're just simple, simply observing. And it helps us at the end to give assurance to the voters say, listen, we were there. We watched it. It went well. I think there's other things we should do, like voter ID, get rid of ballot harvesting. 80% of the Americans, the American people think we should have voter ID. Why shouldn't we show Let's our ID? Let's talk about what you're doing right now, because you mentioned that the RNC, you have a very we big do. organization uh, of poll watchers out there right now. But I just want to go back just to sort of underscore what I just described could continue. In, a, in an aggressive way. As the top Republican in this country right now, your message is? Do not break the law. Do not attack or intimidate people who are trying to In vote. any way, shape, or form. I don't think that should be done at all. Also, don't intimidate our poll watchers because we're having that right now, too, where our poll watchers are not being allowed to meaningfully observe. That's an important part of our democracy that both sides, Democrat and Republican, should be able to meaningfully observe so that we can go out and say, listen, we saw it and it went well. And you're trying to recruit poll watchers. We have. You, you've been on a Steve Bannon's bod podcast yes. uh, multiple times, and you are asking him to help recruit and his, his listeners to help recruit the poll watchers. Um, is there any concern about using that outlet on this issue when it comes to potential for harassment? No, I, I'm never telling people to harass. No, of course We're, you're not. No, I'm no, I would never do that. I'm saying, please go sign up. It's the number one thing I hear across the country for my voters. I'm very concerned about the election. I want to make sure it's fair and transparent. So the best way that people can get engaged is go, go to protectthevote.com. And we teach you, you train you. Every state has a different law. So we put them through the training uh -huh. so that they can meaningfully observe. But we absolutely want them to abide by the law. Um, and if they don't, then they shouldn't be allowed to do that. And that's your message that's on that podcast message. to that to that audience, Always. this audience, and everybody. anybody who signs okay. up with us, we uh, tell them to do that. I want you to listen to what Republican Senator Ron Johnson said on whether he will accept yeah. his own election results. I sure hope I can, but I can't predict what the Democrats might have planned. Um, you know, we're not trying to do anything to gain partisan advantage. We're just doing whatever we can to restore confidence. 
So simple yes or no. Should Republican candidates, Ron Johnson, all of them, accept election results? Well, I would say the same to Stacey Abrams, right? Or Hillary Clinton, who's already saying in 2024, we're going to rig the election. That's not helpful. Listen, you should have a recount. You should have a canvas and it'll go to the courts and then everybody should accept the results. That's what it should be. But I'm also not going to say if there's problems that we shouldn't be able to address that. Mm -hmm. If there's real problems, everyone should be able to address that. And and I think Ron Johnson and Stacey Abrams, in the end, once all their avenues are exhausted, right. they'll, they'll accept the results. But, so, but you're saying, because this is very important, for example, I'll just tell you what Joe O'Day, one of your, uh, what, I think what the Republicans consider a star, star candidate in Colorado, he's running for Senate, he said, after the process is done and the votes are counted, I'll absolutely accept the outcome. It's time for American leaders to start acting like adults again. Is that what you want to hear? And is that your message? Yeah, and I think that's what Ron said, too. No, he didn't. I, I think no, he didn't. Saying, he said that he's predicting that Democrats uh, are going to be well, involved not, in things, but which we're is gonna not we're going to pursue fair. problems. If you have a problem, like uh, I'll give you an example. In Virginia last year, they wouldn't let people vote who weren't wearing a mask. That's not the state statute. So there were people actually being denied voting because they didn't have a mask on. That wasn't the law. So because of our lawyers that we had on the ground, we quickly called the election officials in the state of Virginia and we got that fixed. But we need to have that ability to fix it. And every election's run differently at the county level, at the precinct right. level. So we want to make sure it's run fair and transparently. And then we'll let the process play out and then we'll accept the results. Okay. That's exactly what I was just going to put a button on. When the process is played out and the votes are canvassed and certified, Every one of your Republican candidates will accept their results, even if they lose. They will. And here's what I'm going to say, too. Everybody's talking about this election denier. This is the language I just heard it on the segment before. Democrats, I have 150 examples. I've got a 10-minute video of Democrats denying elections from 2000 to 2020. This is not what the American people are caring about right now. And let me tell you what they are worried about. Well, Our commander-in-chief, Joe Biden, going in front of the American people and talking about this and saying, oh, look at this, these issues with election deniers. Well, here's what the Democrats are. They're inflation deniers. They are crime deniers. They're education deniers. But this is literally a, OK, but this is but this I, is not what the American people are talking about. I, they're not talking I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to have I, but we're, they're not voting been, on. OK, that. We're, we've been having and I just did this and we are doing so many uh, reports about the issues, which is important. But, but I'm talking to you, to Deanna, but I'm talking to you as a Republican from an election yeah. for the president of the United States to give a speech and not talk about inflation, to actually say it's good, to not talk about gas prices, to say that crime Listen, doesn't I'm not exist. here. I'm not. A, I'm so not, they have become crime deniers, inflation I'm not deniers, here. Okay. and education deniers. Ronna, I'm not, I'm not a, the big I am issue. not, I, I'm not a spokesperson for I know, Anybody but, and for them. But I will just say that that was a speech and they're out giving other speeches. But I want to talk about presidents. I wish that he's out giving other speeches. I don't want you to put yeah. me in a position of, of having to defend them. But I'm explaining yeah. and I'm giving you the facts. And yeah. the fact is, that is one and speech and he's giving other speeches. I want to ask you about results. Donald Trump. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm saying we're going to accept That's the headline. But here's here. what I would say to Joe Biden. Can you please accept that inflation has risen on your watch? That kids have deficits on your watch. That are I want to ask open, about that fentanyl's coming. Across. I want to ask about Will looking you forward. That crime is rising as your as your uh, position is so important as the sure. chair yeah. of the RNC. Uh, Donald Trump, he is uh, already saying that he is going to run again. The RNC has paid more than two point three million dollars to law firms representing him in his legal battles. If and when he does announce announce, will you stop paying his legal fees? We cannot pay legal bills for any candidate that's announced. So these are bills that came from 
the Letitia James lawsuit that started while he was president. Mm -hmm. It was voted on by our executive committee for our former president that this was a politically motivated investigation. And that's what it's been. So no more. But we cannot. We cannot do in-kind contributions to any candidate. Right now, he's the former president who's being attacked from every which way with lawsuits. And he's certainly raised more into the RNC than we've spent on these bills. Will he announce soon? I don't know. Do you want him to announce soon? <laughs> I, I am only focused on okay. 2022. I, my mind can't even go there. I don't even know what I'm doing for Thanksgiving right now, let alone thinking about 2024. Rhonda McDaniel, thank you so much Thanks for coming for on. Me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dana. Thank you. And can Democrats keep the Senate? My next guest is on the campaign trail trying to save her colleagues from getting pink slips on Tuesday. Minnesota's Amy Klobuchar joins me next. And ahead, we're going to go to John King at the Magic Wall to tell us what he's looking for in the biggest races. Welcome back to State of the Union. On the final weekend before Election Day, my next guest, Democratic Senator Amy Klobuchar, is sprinting across the country trying to help her party keep control of the Senate. Today, it's New Hampshire and an event with incumbent Senator Maggie Hassan. Here with me now from Portsmouth is Senator Amy Klobuchar. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. So President Biden is rallying Thank later you. tonight for Governor Kathy Hochul. That is in the state of New York, a state he won by 20 points. And he's also traveled to Illinois, a state he won by 17 points. Why are Democrats, your party, in defense in reliably blue states? You know, I don't think we're in defense because I also saw President Biden in Pennsylvania, uh, along with President Obama, a state uh, where we are ahead and we're going to pick up a Senate seat. I've seen him in Colorado. I've seen him in Florida. I think the point is that it is all hands on deck right now, turning out the vote. Everyone can make a plan to vote at IWillVote.com. And what matters to me, Dana, is what the stakes are here. The stakes are about economics. Every country in the world has been through a hard time coming out of this pandemic. But the question the voters have to ask is, who do you trust to have people's back? Who sees them? Who's going to stand up for them? Social Security and Medicare. Yeah, I'm in New Hampshire, where Maggie Hassan's going to win this race. And her opponent has said, actually, back in 1935, that's when they started Social Security. Uh, maybe we should change it. He's talked about changing Medicare. We've seen that all over the country. Democrats stand up well, for Senator, Social Security and Medicare. Pharma prices. Go ahead, Dana. Well, I want you to listen to something that the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, uh, said. And in it, he was talking about really acknowledging that he thinks that this will be a wave election for Republicans. He had pretty sharp words for his party, your party. Take a listen. I could be the cheerleader. I'm also a pragmatist. You feel it. It goes to my fundamental grievance with my damn party. We're getting crushed on narrative. We're going to have to do better in terms of getting on the offense and stopping on the damn defense. Is he right? You know what? He's out there in California right now, and I'm out here and have been all over Ohio and uh, with Tim Ryan in Pennsylvania, with John Fetterman, uh, with Mandela Barnes in Wisconsin and Sherry Beasley in North Carolina. 
I think either we are ahead in these races or we are in striking distance. Look at Mark Kelly. Look how well he's doing. We are going to win these races. So he can talk about all he wants out there. I'm in the middle of it. And I have seen in these Senate candidates, and that's where I'm focused, of course, in the strength of our country. They're not just talking about infrastructure. They're building infrastructure. Finally, with a Democratic president, um, it's no longer just talking the talk. We're building roads. We're building bridges. We're getting broadband out. We're finally doing something about semiconductor chips so we make things in America. So do you and then think don't that forget you're going to hold the, the pharmaceutical Senate? prices? I do. Yes, I do. Because I look at the races. Our incumbents are either ahead or they're tied. Well, let's and ask I look at the get-out-the-vote efforts we have that are extraordinary, and then I look at these pickup seats and what we can do. Okay, I let's talk about one of the incumbents you are with, as you mentioned, uh, one of your incumbent colleagues in New Hampshire campaigning with Maggie Hassan there. She's running against somebody who's been an election denier, Don Bulldog. And Democratic groups spent millions of dollars boosting him in the Republican primary because they thought he'd be easier to beat in the general election. But now the race is really tight. That's why you're there. Uh, Bulldog has a shot of winning. If he is in the Senate with you in January, will Democrats deserve some of the blame? I'm not going to, at one moment, concede uh, this race because Maggie has been ahead every step of the way. They know her. Can you they concede love her. that She's it was a mistake, or do you believe it country. was a mistake to no. boost him? I, I have made. First of all, I'm not going back over past strategy right now. Two days before the election, I am one uh, that um, I'm not a big fan of spending money on other candidates and messing around. I will admit that, and I've said that. But what I think here is you've got a clear choice. I was there at four in the morning, Dana, with Roy Blunt, Mike Pence, walking over that broken glass on January 6th, spray-painted columns. And when we got to the House of Representatives with the pages holding the boxes of the electoral ballots in those mahogany boxes, I thought, that's it, democracy prevailed. Well, what I didn't know is that Donald Trump's shadow is looming over New Hampshire, looming over these states. There are 50 percent of Americans have election deniers on the ballot. We literally, yeah. these candidates, are throwing truth out the window. They're shuttering the rule of law and they are laughing at or dismissing political violence. I don't care if you're a Democrat, independent or moderate Republican. Democracy is on the ballot and it is time to vote for democracy. I want to ask you about something before I let you go that's very much in your wheelhouse and that's uh, social media. You know that uh, there's a new Twitter owner, Elon Musk. He laid off thousands of employees this week, including some workers who combat election misinformation, the kind of thing you're talking about. How concerned are you that the upheaval at Twitter will result in a flood of misinformation, disinformation right before the election? I've been very clear in expressing my concerns about this, and it actually goes beyond Twitter. Today, there are reports um, that, in fact, Russian bots, news reports, uh, have come back, outside interference coming back. To me, the solutions are these, and it is, again, for all of these platforms. Number one, do something about misinformation. We've got to, they can't shield themselves when they're actually making money off of spreading misinformation about elections. I have a bill to change that. Mm -hmm. Other countries are ahead of us when it comes to this. We've got to actually do something. Secondly, this is beyond Twitter, monopolies self-preferencing their own products at the top of these platforms. We have to do something. Senate and finally... It is crying out for a federal privacy law. We need that. But again, Senator we have to get through this election. 
Yes. Right. And, Go ahead. And on, I know you have to get through this election, but I have to ask you, right after this election, uh, we are reporting that Donald Trump is likely to uh, jump into the race. If he is the Republican nominee, do you still think President Biden is the only one who can beat him? Uh, President Biden has made clear he is running and I support him. Um, and okay. what I will say about this is Donald Trump cannot be president again. The American people know it. You see it in his numbers. Um, and in part because he has continued to push candidates. This is election is again about democracy and is about moving our country Sen forward and not back to the chaos of Donald Trump. Senator Amy Klobuchar from the campaign trail with her colleague uh, in New Hampshire. Appreciate it. Great to be on. Thanks, Dana. And up next, a look at the midterm map. How will the big races break? John King gives us some clues at the magic wall. We could be in for a very long night on Tuesday, so we are here with CNN chief national correspondent John King in the election center to show us the early signs that he is looking for. So let's start in the House. 435 races in all under new lines because of the census two years ago, the redistricting process. As you know better than anybody, they're not all competitive. So what we've done is we've identified, working with our partners at Inside and Elections, 82 competitive seats heading into Election Day. And as you can see, they are coast to coast. Another way to look at it, look at this just to understand, Democrats are on defense. It's a Democratic president's first midterm. It's a tough climate. Just look down here at the key yeah. of these seats. 57 of the competitive seats have Democratic incumbents. Almost three times as many. Almost, Almost three, three times. times as many Republicans. There are three new seats here, too, as you look at the map. So Democrats are on their heels defending much more territory in a tough year. That's one way to look at it. Now let's bring it up. The big question is, who can get to 218, right? And in our rankings right now, we already have Republicans favored in 216 seats. Now, some of those are just barely favored. You see the lighter red on the map. But Republicans have a huge advantage going into Election Day. And if you look, Dana, you know the races very well. These toss-up races go close to close, uh, coast to coast. And one of them you focused on in the show, if you bring it up here, I'll show it to you here, Virginia, too. And I'll say that Elaine Luria, who's, as you see, the incumbent Democrat, she told me when we traveled there and did uh, sort of a look at this race that she considers herself and this race 218. It will be the clincher, the decider as to who gets. But if that's the case, given that you know, you're in the eastern time zone. So this is that's one of the exactly races right. we will look at on election night for a key clue. Our Democrats, can, there are three competitive Democratic districts in the Commonwealth of Virginia. You know, can she hold on? If she's losing, that gives you a big sign. She's right about how important and how competitive that district is. But again, they go coast to coast. You go from Virginia to right on the east coast all the way across the country and you have tilting Democrats still. Elaine Laurie's district is tilting Republican. Mm -hmm. Tilting Democrats still, a very well-known progressive. Very well-known. Uh, Katie Porter. So the challenges for the Democrats, they go from Maine to Southern California and everywhere in between when it comes to the House, and they're back on defense. And it's going to take a while before we learn, obviously, what these races look like, because it's California, it's three hours earlier. Uh, remember 2018. It was days. It was literally right. days, or a week, more than a week in some cases, before we knew the final number. We'll have a good sense on election night. Are Republicans taking the House? Is it a red ripple? Is it a red wave? Uh, but the final details will take days. Let's look at the Senate, because this is obviously right now 50-50. Right. It could go so many different ways. The chess game here, you can game it out reasonably. Democrats winning here, Republicans winning there, but 35 elections in all. Again, you work with, we've worked with our partners here to identify the competitive seats. Eight elections of the Senate we view as competitive. It could be more. Republicans think they could surprise us in some places. Of these eight, 
They're evenly divided now between held by Democrats or held by Republicans. Best way to look at this is to come into the balance of power as you come into the control right now. Again, Democrats enter the election 50-50. The vice president of the United States breaks the ties. So Democrats can't afford to lose, essentially. And so you have the states on the map. If you come in now to how we rank them, the gold or the toss-up states, one is a Republican-held state right now, no incumbent, but Pennsylvania, Democratic incumbent in Georgia, probably the most vulnerable Democratic incumbent. You were just out there in Nevada. Yeah. This is where Patrick, the chess gets fascinating. Nasso, yeah. And so many, I mean, you're saying that these yellow are uh, maybe the tightest, but that might belie what we're actually seeing on the ground, which is a wider swath of really, really tight races. Right. It is possible. Again, we know these races are competitive, right? But we still tilt New Hampshire Democratic. Mm -hmm. Republicans think they can pick up that seat. We still tilt Arizona Democratic. Republicans think that one is within their reach. They say, watch. We still have this as likely Dem up in Washington State, in Colorado. Republicans say keep an eye on everything. So you, could, you conceivably could get Republicans to 52 or 53. You can also get the Democrats to 51 or stay status quo at 50. Again, this race could decide the Senate in the end. Does anybody get above 50 or are we going another Or are month? we going to be standing here in, on, in Dece December. on December 6th? But you were just out here. Uh, this is what Democrats worry about most. They view Catherine Cortez Masto as the most vulnerable Democrat. And again, think about the math, right? We won't know that one because it's out west, right? It, the Democrats would love to pick up Pennsylvania as a safety valve, an insurance policy against maybe lo losing out in Nevada. It is going to be a long and very exciting night. Week. Maybe week. <laughs> John King, thank you. Thank you. Make sure to tune in to CNN's Election Night in America for the best reporting and analysis. Our special coverage kicks off at 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. And last night we got a preview of a potential 2024 GOP primary matchup and the attacks, they've already begun. We're going to tell you what happened next. Stop searching for good ideas from both parties to improve Wisconsin. Here in Iowa, we may get up early, but we're not woke. Ohio needs an ass kicker, not an ass kisser. I promise I'll do everything I can to help make things better, and I'll always tell you the truth. If you believe the 2020 election was stolen, definitely not your candidate. Welcome back to State of the Union, the final push until Election Day, just a couple of days away. Thank you so much. Our panel is here. Michael Smirkanish, you uh, just came down from the great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. What are your thoughts on what you're seeing there and then just more broadly? Broadly, there's a consensus that's formed. It's based on the polling data, the betting markets, which I pay attention to, <laughs> maybe most importantly, the travel schedules of the principals, like where are people being deployed and where's the money being spent? It would all have to be wrong for there to be something other than a huge victory for Republicans on Tuesday night, which I anticipate. The, the only saving grace, I think, for Democrats could be that the Republican vote has been undervalued in the last few cycles, and maybe pollsters have this time overcompensated for that, but I think that's a stretch. You came from the real world also. Yes, no, I actually think that you're seeing Republican pollsters kind of flood the market with some polling that may not be the best in the world. But I do think Democrats are going to have a better night than people expect. And the reason being is I think Democrats will, will probably won't know who wins the Senate until after Georgia, which will probably be uh, December. <clears throat> but on Tuesday night, you're going to see Democrats maintain or win governor's mansions in states that really matter. You're going to have uh, uh, Wisconsin. You're going to have Michigan. You're going to have Pennsylvania. Those states matter. And why do those states matter? Because of 2024. And you're also going to have Westmore, who's going to flip Maryland. And so you're going to have some victories, although we probably won't take back the House or keep the House. 
We're going to maintain the Senate. And those governor's mansions really matter. Well, I'm looking forward to getting Michael's advice on the betting markets because I need help there. But, <laughs> but I, I think that, look, I think it's to be a great night for Republicans. I think that Kevin McCarthy's been underappreciated the fact that in 2020 he didn't give up an incumbent. And now he's on the cusp of winning 20 to 25 additional seats. I think we pick up the Senate and I actually think we're going to win a couple of governor's mansions. And so I think it's to be a very big night for Republicans. Hillary, you have a different take maybe than Bakari on Democrats. Yeah, I mean, I, I think as, Mark speaking is right. as a Democrat. Um, I'm, a, I'm a loyal Democrat, but I am not happy. I just think that we are, you know, we did not listen to voters in this election. And I think we're going to have a bad night. And, you know, this conversation is not going to have much impact on Tuesday, but I hope it has an impact going forward. Because when voters tell you over and over and over again that they care mostly about the economy, listen to them. Stop talking about democracy being at stake. Democracy is at stake because people are fighting so much about what elections mean. I mean, voters have told us what they wanted to hear, and I don't think Democrats have really delivered uh, but I, this cycle. I, I think that's actually very true about the national messaging that's going on. But you actually have some good candidates who are following your advice. You have people like Mark Kelly, who was running a great race. You have people like Raphael Warnock, yeah, and who's running I, a great race. I would and say, Josh Shapiro. I would say in those places, Fetterman we, and Tim we Ryan. have are, you know the unfortunate um, combination of strong gubernatorial candidates, you know, like Mark Kelly is a pop. I was just in Arizona and spent some time there, talked to a, a bunch of voters. Mark Kelly's popular, but Carrie Lake is more popular. And the combination of Carrie Lake's popularity and Joe Biden's unpopularity is going to hurt Mark Kelly. And so uh, yeah. I think we're going to we're we're in trouble because of the top of the ticket. Are you going to interrupt her and disagree? No, with I, I don't want to break up Dem on Dem violence. <laughs> exactly. But, but I, I feel like look, I feel like Blake Masters is going to win Arizona because the reality is that the border is a serious issue down there. And to Hillary's point, they're not the Democrats have not talked about how what are we going to do to fix inflation at a 40 year high? What are we going to do to control the border? What are we going to do no, to handle not, crime? It's Instead, not because of facts, Mark. I don't think we're in trouble because of facts. I think oh, I we're do. in trouble because I think of messaging. You're in huge trouble because of facts. You guys were in office is, for a long time. The reality is inflation is at a 40 year high because of specifically you guys the spending policy. You were in Democrats. office for a long time the and did nothing crisis, to fix can, immigration. You never passed a bill. You never got anything done. We have an economic story to tell. People actually like our policies better on the economy. You're kidding yourself. And we have not been doing it. Michael. One, one footnote to file away for Tuesday night as those Pennsylvania returns come in. Josh Shapiro, I think, is going to win handily against Doug Mastriano. But it'll be capped in terms of the impact on the rest of the ticket because no longer can Pennsylvanians, as we say, pull the big ticket. You've got to vote each race individually. We have a history of ticket splitting. It might be to the benefit of Dr. Oz. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, let's, I know, obviously, we are two days away from... 2022 in the midterms, but 2024, the whole question of will Donald Trump run seems to be answered. Uh, he hasn't, of course, announced, but he's made pretty clear that he's close. And one of the big tells is he's already going after potential GOP rivals. Listen to what he said about Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida last night. We're winning big, big, big in the Republican Party for the nomination like nobody's ever seen before. Let's see, there it is, Trump at 71, Ron DeSanctimonious at 10%, Mike Pence at 7. Oh, Mike's doing better than I thought. <laughs> Mark? Well, I, I think that's a pretty... We're not laughing at you, Mark, I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I know that, Bakari. I think that was a pretty lame attack on, on DeSantis, but I, I think the more telling Mike sign... Mike Pence was in there, too. I think the more telling sign, frankly, was the notion last week you saw news that... Uh, the DOJ was to give independent counsel for indictments coming against President Trump. 
And I think he feels like he wanted to actually be announced sooner because he wanted credit for the midterm success. And he wants to get ahead of those impending indictments because then he can say, see, look, Biden's DOJ is only going after me because I'm an announced candidate. So I think that was really the more telling sign about a week ago. I want to put up something that another person who's thinking about running for the Republican nomination, Mike Pompeo, who was in the Trump cabinet, said he uh, tweeted, not tired of winning at Governor Ron DeSantis. You've proven conservative policies work. Florida is better for it. Vote for Ron DeSantis. Trump is better than any kid I ever met at the playground at ranking. I think that's what this is called in terms of assigning nicknames that stick. And, and I, I think, frankly, he may have a winner with regard to DeSantis. Time will tell. Uh, for me, the big takeaway is it's the clearest sign he really is getting in mm-hmm. and is about to announce. That's the best I mean, news Democrats right. are going to have. I mean, listen, there's no there's no better foil for Democrats than Donald Trump, somebody who is facing indictments. Be careful and, what you wish for. Well, I mean, exactly. we wish for it. In, we, we wished for it in 2016 and we failed. Um, and that's for a number of reasons. And then we actually were able to beat him soundly. Uh, in 2020. And so what I do believe, though, is Democrats actually rally around messaging that is opposed to everything Donald Trump stands for. It's extremely clear. And the closing message we have now, although it's not listening to voters, may actually work against somebody like Donald Trump. Well, and, you know, you have the situation where a, a, a nasty Republican primary is probably good for Democrats, but um, because it, the nastier Donald Trump is, um, and by the way, Ron DeSantis is sanctimonious. He just I was about to an, say it. it perfectly he just fits. released an ad this week comparing himself to God. So uh, as a creation. Uh, so the, the fact that you will be reminding voters of what they actually rejected about Donald Trump will actually be helpful. Mark, I wanted to ask you if you think that Donald Trump's timing here has anything to do also, not just with the midterms, but with trying to get ahead of your former boss and uh, close confidant, uh, Mike Pence, he's going on a book tour. And Donald Trump is going to maybe try to step on that as well. Is that a well, factor? I, that wouldn't be out of character for the former president. But I also think that in some ways to help elevate the book tour and draw more attention. I think as uh, the former vice president travels the country, he's more and more encouraged by what people tell him about wanting a different style of leadership and a level of competent leadership in this country that we've been missing. So I think could actually just elevate it. I think we just saw the beginning of the Mike Pence uh, <laughs> the Mike it's Pence not pitch. real until right. he gets a nickname. Maybe, All right. maybe it'll draw Pence out to say <laughs> things about January 6th that he really hasn't said publicly. All right, guys, thank you so much. Mike Pence has to grow a few. we got to leave it there. Thank you very much. <laughs> One and all, appreciate it. And up next, we traveled to five states since Labor Day to show you what's happening in key races, a closer look at what voters told us along the way, and some of it might surprise you. Stay with us. Inflation, abortion, crime, just some of the issues people are thinking about as they approach Election Day. I went to five pivotal swing states and had some enlightening conversations with voters. Michigan's State Fair Labor Day weekend, the start of the sprint toward Election Day, and our travels to five pivotal midterm states this fall. The common thread we heard from voters across the country, frustration and fears about rising prices. I drive a truck and it does not get very good gas mileage and I actually had to quit my last job because I couldn't afford to drive all the way out there. Why is the price of gasoline where it is today? You can't just overlook that issue. Vegetables have gone up 20 to 30 percent. Growers locally in the farms are not carrying things they did last year because people don't have the money. 
and the inflation, they say it's 8%, but if you're in the construction industry, it's like 30%. Food is high, gas is high, rent is high. We heard from many discontented voters, especially among the working class and in rural areas, those who feel forgotten by politicians in Washington. I came up in a, a union household. My dad was a teamster for 30 years, voted Democrat. Um, but they're completely out of touch with what everyday Americans want. I think there should be a, a lot more focus on, on working class people. It seems like we always get left behind for either the high or the low. Then there's the issue of abortion. Maybe not the main driver for all voters we talk to, but it is one motivating factor. We need to elect legislators all across the country who are going to protect women's health rights. What's most important to you with this election? Really, it's abortion rights, I think, for me, and um, just making sure that women have the choice. I think there is a, a high possibility we may see something like Kansas. I think a lot of women aren't ready to go way out in public and wave signs yeah. and do the whole bit, but they're going to come to the voting booth and they're going to vote their conscience. Dick Russell, a Republican-leaning voter in Michigan, told us in early September that he was reluctant to vote for GOP gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon because of her staunch opposition to abortion. I think there are times when women's lives are in danger and uh, when there's extenuating circumstances that it has to happen. Are you ready? We checked back with him and learned he already he voted, voted already. for Republican Tudor Dixon, but also voted for a ballot initiative allowing abortions in Michigan. When we talked Labor Day weekend, you were undecided. What yes. made you decide? Uh, the abortion uh, initiative that they put on the ballot. Did so you that, vote for that ballot initiative? I did. And would you have felt comfortable voting for Tudor Dixon if that didn't exist? Uh, no, <laughs> I was having a problem with that. Because Democrats yep. think that by putting that on the on the ballot, it's going to help Democratic candidates. It did the opposite with you. Yes, I think it did with a lot of people. In our travels, we did speak with voters who do not blame Democrats for tough times. How do you think Joe Biden's doing? I think he's doing the best he can with the tools he has. You've already voted? Yes. Who did you vote for? Democrat. How come? Because... I just, well, I thought, think that they're going to do a good job. School crossing guards in Nevada, Agnes Wilson and James Kiefer, differ on that. He's disgusted with both parties. Are you going to vote this year? I don't think so. Why not? Because uh, they're not talking about what they're going to do. All they're talking about is slandering each other about how much money they're making. A missed opportunity for Democrats and Republicans in a state like Nevada, where every vote will likely matter in a neck-and-neck -neck Senate race that could determine who controls Washington. Agnes Wilson says she gets that. Do you think your vote matters? Yes. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks so much for spending your Sunday morning with us. And tune in tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern. I'll be hosting an election special with my colleague, Abby Phillip. We're going to talk to top party leaders about what they're expecting. That's 10 p.m. tonight. Fareed Zakaria picks up right now. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level.
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and Hawaii. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So, you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.